Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. OutKick 360 rolls on. Our number two is here. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine coming up in a matter of minutes. Pro Football Doc, Dr. David Chow will be with us. We'll run through the big injuries for Week 16 across the NFL. Headlined by Jalen Hurts, who is not going to play this week for Philadelphia. Gardner Minshew will get the start. And Chad Ryan Tannehill, uh, Gaharski put it out there yesterday, yep. maybe done for the season and, and is likely done for the season. That means it's the Malik Willis show for the remaining at least three games of the regular season. Maybe one more, maybe not, based on how they've been playing and how Jacksonville continues to play. Jacksonville takes on the Jets tonight. Trevor Lawrence against Zach Wilson. Bad news for the Titans with Tannehill. Uh, them just now trying to hold on to that playoff spot in the AFC South and still having a great chance at doing so. But it's almost the mode of, now you got to see what you got in Malik Willis. If you yeah. know that Tannehill's out based on, on Paul Kowarski's report, then you got to roll with Malik Willis. And it's, to me, much less now about getting that extra home game in the playoffs and much more about finding out what you have in the third-round pick. And if there's been a lot of improvement over the course of this season from where he started, which, let's face it, was virtually zero when he got yeah. to this team in terms of an yes. NFL quarterback, if he's improved over the course of the year, like Mike Vrabel claims he's worked hard at improving and commanding the huddle, and huddling even, for that matter, but doing all these things... If he shows that improvement on the field, then the Titans should absolutely roll with him a year from now and then continue to see what you have with Malik Willis. But I'm skeptical that that's going to be the case. I am too. And I'm skeptical, not necessarily 100% because of Malik Willis, because of the Titans' offensive line. Yeah. I mean, it, could, it could get really bad uh, on Saturday as the uh, Titans host the Texans. Every single one of their starters, by the way, the offensive line with the starters, not good. Every single one of those guys are on the injury report this week. And that means we could see, if not hobbled, but some other backups. And the backups from last week, like Dylan Raiden's on injured reserve this week. So it's not like they have a lot of options. And it's not going to get any easier over the final three weeks. That is for sure. Um, some of the headlines out there today, just to, across the league. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. It's a big matchup for Jacksonville. If Jacksonville... Um, if they win and the Titans lose on Saturday, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Chad, are going to have the lead in the AFC South with two games to play. And the Titans need the, the Jags to lose at least one game. If they can win two, then they go into the final week with an option of taking the South. There is another scenario where we could see both of these teams lose and you have a winner-take-all possibility. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, the scenario where Jacksonville's got it locked up by the end of the year because of how they handle the next two weeks. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a huge week for sure, um, and it's a big game tonight. I'll be watching, but also, you know, we just talked about Malik Willis in the division. 
the continued progression of Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Yes. It's another big test for him. This is a team that's turned their season around. They look dead in the water. Now they got a good chance at possibly winning the AFC South. And Trevor Lawrence continues to impress. Another test for him in this game on a short turnaround, playing on Thursday night in a game with big-time stakes. Hutton, we haven't seen the Jacksonville Jags play a lot of games no. with big-time stakes You're right. in recent seasons, and this is one of them. Well, and they're, uh, the Jets' defense is the matchup to watch against Trevor Lawrence and company. Sauce Gardner on the outside on the island, he's, he wasn't even targeted last week, not one time last week in the game. And it's the most we've seen from a rookie corner, most targets or most pass plays without a target uh, in quite some time across the league. Teams aren't even looking his way. I'm curious if, if Lawrence does and what comes of that for against a defense that has, I believe, their fifth, their fifth in points, fifth in scoring for the defense, meaning they're great. They've only allowed 18.8 points per game on average. It's not bad. But it's too little too late, I think, for, for yeah. New York. Yeah, no, not, not bad at all. But it's still um, fun to think about for the first time in a while, Hutton, the state of New York football. Yeah. With the Giants and the Jets. Um, but I, I still, you look at both of them and who's the quarterback of the future for both franchises? There's still some questions about that. Quarterback this week for Philadelphia is Gardner Minshew because Jalen Hurts has been ruled out with the sprained shoulder. With more, we welcome in pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, who joins us. Always great to, to have you back on the show um, and, and hope, hope all is well. Um, I'm assuming you're still out west, right? Yeah, all is well with me, except my uh, computer link didn't work. Oh. So we're, now we're going. <laughs> we got you, man. It's all good. Um, the the shoulder sprain, they they choose to rule him out now. They didn't want to do that previously. I guess in your in your mind, is this a long term play here for Philadelphia? It's a long term play. It's not a long term injury. Okay. Uh, this is a mild AC joint sprain that was suffered at one thirteen left in the third quarter. He played and played well in the fourth quarter. He could play against Dallas, maybe with an AC joint injection, but the Eagles are trying to play the long game, as you say here, and uh, preserve him. They're three up with three to go. They're hoping to cruise in. And, you know, you can argue that this is smart to not make it worse and uh, see what happens. The Eagles historically have always tried to play a few uh, – uh, smart roster games. If you remember last year, the final week of the season, they tested everyone for COVID and placed about a dozen people on the COVID list and had more subs and were able to rest more veterans. Legal gamesmanship. Obviously, you know, sitting him to not take a hit on the injury and further risk making it worse. What does rest do for an AC joint injury like this? in terms of what they can get with just a week of taking it easy on this injury? Well, every week it's better. Every day it's a little better, a little less sore. Like I said, it's something I believe he could play through. If this were a meaningful game, if this were the playoffs, 100% Jalen Hurts would start and play. But they have three weeks left, potentially a bye, and they wouldn't play until the fifth week from now. So, I don't see him sitting all three weeks. I don't see him waiting all that period of time due to rust, but at least this week, and then we'll see. So Ryan Tannehill um, is not going to play the remainder of the season based on reports. Ankle injury, bad ankle sprain. 
I feel like it's always a little bit, at least for me, for the layman that's not a doctor, a little bit vague when you're dealing with a sprain uh, as an injury. From what you've seen from Ryan Tannehill, the extent of the injury, um, how common is this, and what do you think about the decision to not play the remainder of the season? Well, it's sort of an interesting turn of events. In-game, it looked like to us, you know, we monitor all the games in the Sports Injury Central Central Command Center. It looked like a high ankle sprain, right ankle sprain. And we were writing and saying that it was dubious that he would be able to return and return effectively. Yet he did. How effectively is, is up to question. But the bottom line is he did finish the game limping a little bit. And uh, now he's out and maybe for a prolonged period of time uh, through the end of the season. No question, things can swell overnight after the game. Uh, kudos to Ryan Tannehill for trying to play through. Maybe he got a game day injection and now he's out for uh, longer. We'll have to see how long, if it really is to the end of the season. But obviously the Titans are swooning and they have issues on both sides of the ball. Now Ryan Tannehill, offensive lineman, they've had defensive issues for the last couple of weeks. We've been fading in the last couple of weeks based on the linebackers, uh, the DBs. Uh, they're among the more injured teams in the league right now, Tennessee Titans. I'm sure in your years in the league, you were probably a part of a team that had similar issues, or maybe not, because the Titans, when you look at the numbers, they're, they're really, really bad with injuries. And all, all, over half their starters now out from the start of the year. Not just that, the backups' backup sometimes is out and they're on third and fourth string guys in certain positions, when that starts to happen, do you take a deep dive as a team doctor, as a strength conditioning coach, to look in the mirror and say, is there anything we can do to prevent this? Or do you chalk pretty much all of it up to just bad luck, unfortunate circumstance? Well, you know, when I was a head team physician, we never had this because we always fixed everybody. Just kidding, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the contact of football, right? It happens. It happens to everybody, but we do look at it, but you have to look at it from the inside. You can't just say it's just bad luck or just this turf or just uh, something lack of rehab or strength and conditioning issues. Injuries clearly beget injuries. There's lots of reasons to get injuries. Sometimes it's just bad luck. Sometimes it's player selection and signing of players that you know may not be fully healthy and coming into the year and then they end up with more things going on. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, the talent level. Sometimes it's scheme. Sometimes it's how hard someone is practicing or not practicing, et cetera. Uh, and bad luck factors in. I think you have to look at all the different things before you make up your mind and blame one part of the business. And you have to remember the medical staff. I used to always report the injuries to the GM, and, and there was a couple of occasions where the GM was like, oh, you're always – bringing me this bad news and basically blaming me, I had to remind the GM, look, I'm Paul Revere. I'm not the British. I'm just telling you they're coming. The injuries are here. I'm not telling you. I'm not causing injuries. And there's, you know, position groups that get hit because when backups play more, are they as talented as the starters? They may not give up their role on special teams because the special teams coach wants them. They get run ragged a little bit. And, you know, uh, the higher talented players don't get injured as the lesser talented players. Dr. David Chow, our guest, Pro Football Doc, is where you can find him on social media. Odell Beckham Jr., of course, in the headlines, highly sought after uh, in discussions by teams that are going to be in the postseason. Um, 
injury-wise, recovering from the ACL, what timetable do you believe him to be on? And what did you make of the reports that there were some questions about when he would be available in January coming out of Dallas? Well, recovery from any injury, especially an ACL, is not a light switch. It's not like on this date you can't and the next day you're 100%. That's not the way it works. It's all gradual. And if you go back to Odell Beckham last year, he had an October ACL, and he really kind of rounded into form in December when he joined the Rams, right? Yes. So the earlier part of the season was not that positive. Now, this is a February ACL tear uh, and a second one, so you do the math, right? It's not surprising that he's not fully ready to go in December. January, I'm not sure he's going to be fully ready to go, but could he help a squad? Maybe, right? Um I don't think he's going to be 100% until really going into next season, but he's talented enough that someone may take a chance on him to bring him in. There's the word sprain again uh, with an injury, and it's with Lamar Jackson. A knee sprain has kept him out. He's going to be out again this upcoming week. Doctor, what do you see with that injury and with a knee sprain like the one suffered with Lamar Jackson? Well, what we said in-game when it first happened was it was a – PCL sprain to the left knee and uh, the way he landed on the knee. And at that point, we said this was a multi-week absence. Would be lucky to return at the end of December. Won't need surgery. Uh, isn't the end of the season, but multi-weeks. And here's where we're at. This is the third week and he's out. You know, will he make it next week? It depends on the degree and the severity of the uh, PCL. But there's actually damage to the posterior cruciate ligament. At least it's not surgical. And we're actually not surprised. And the Ravens are another team that keeps getting hit with injuries. Not only Lamar Jackson, but obviously now both wide receivers out to the point where they brought back Sammy Watkins, who got cut from the Packers. They got defensive injuries, Marcus Peters, Calais Campbell, uh, et cetera, and, and others. And you talk about injuries. Like Marcus Peters coming off an ACL, we said it'd be a subpar year. It doesn't surprise us that he gets a soft tissue injury with a calf or something else. So that's not necessarily bad luck. It's the previous year injury carrying over. Ronnie Stanley at left tackle was the previous year's injury carrying over. Lamar Jackson getting injured. Look, he's a very mobile running quarterback. He extends plays. That's what makes him great. That puts him at more risk for injury, just like last December. So it's not all just pure bad luck, there's lots of reasons that factor into this when we look at it and study it. To this point, which team or teams have been in the best shape injury-wise? And, of course, with three games to go, that can quickly change. But is it normally the teams that are running the, the top of the, the NFL, so to speak, like KC and Philly? Well, there's correlation, but it's not absolute. Okay? I mean... There was a while there that the Bills got banged up a little bit, including Josh Allen. They're still near the top. But then again, during that streak, they actually lost a couple games. Uh, right now, Kansas City is among the healthiest, and they have been for a while. Near the bottom right now, at, you know, all season has been Denver Broncos. They obviously haven't done well. Arizona Cardinals, the Rams, especially on offense, right, just to name a few. So you can start to see the correlation. Even the Green Bay Packers that are rebounding a little bit now, we faded them at the beginning of the season because of their left tackle and right tackle injuries coming into the season. So it's not absolute, but, but there definitely is correlation. I mean, until the Titans' recent stretch of injuries, they were 
cruising pretty well. And then and the injuries uh, have now caught up to them. But yeah, there's a few of these outliers that are out there. Dr. David Chow, you can uh, read his work and, and check out all the links and reaction to the injuries in real time and his analysis soon thereafter of what he's seen on game day. You can check him out at Pro Football Doc on social. Always appreciate the time and the insight. Oh, no problem. And also lots of outkick articles and, and things too, talking about injury analysis. You got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We'll check That's it a all great out. Great follow. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you, doctor. Check it out at outkick.com <laughs> as well. Dr. David Chow has been our guest. Um, so during this discussion we were having with him, the Titans have added two more players to injured reserve, starting center Ben Jones, two IR with a concussion. He's done for the year. And uh, Terrence Mitchell, their corner that they signed, was it week two, yeah. I think, off the street? He's also headed to injured reserve. Who had played okay at times in, in a reserve yeah. spot, having to step into and, a, and, just a bad situation. And the Titans, the, the glue guy on the offensive line has been Ben Jones. And now you have a backup rookie, I probably taking snaps from Daniel Munyer, who was known for fumbling and barely getting the snap off to quarterbacks during training camp last year. He's been on the practice squad this year. It's going to be awful. What an awful spot for Malik Willis. Yes. Who is still trying to learn the position of NFL quarterback to step in and step behind this offensive line with these receiving options around him. Coming up, we've got former NFL head coach Dave McGinnis, currently uh, the color commentator and analyst for Titans Radio. He will join us with a great story. Uh, we'll... Go back in the memory of Coach Mack when he first met Franco Harris in college. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Merry Christmas to you. Happy Holidays with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Plenty to discuss across the NFL. That's coming up shortly. We'll... Also chat a little bit about some weekend matchups with our next guest uh, who joins us by phone uh, right here in Nashville, wrapping up some availability, I believe, with the uh, Titans practice and of what they could get done in a practice for a team that's so banged up. Dave McGinnis joins us, radio analyst for Titans Radio, uh, great friend of ours and longtime 
longtime coach, uh, now over 35 years of his life has been spent in the National Football League. Coach Mack, how are you? Hunt, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. You and Chad there holding it down at 6 and Peabody. I'm doing good. Yeah, and uh, I, I was telling uh, Chad that uh, you and I had dinner, or we met up, what, last week sometime, I believe, and I heard a story I'd never heard you tell, and it just so happened to be about Franco Harris, and we've been certainly covering his passing uh, and what he meant to the NFL. I had not heard your discussion about your time at college at TCU and one of the lasting memories being, uh, well, from what you can remember at least, being playing against Franco Harris in Penn State. I'll let you pick it up from there, but it is a, a classic story that uh, we will not soon forget. Well, first of all, I mean, I've, I've met uh, Franco personally and have had dinner with him because, you know, Joe Green was my defensive line coach uh, both when I was the coordinator and the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals for eight years. So during that tenure, Joe would have a, a lot of those guys would come through during the season, you know, to see him, you know, and Franco being one of them, Terry Bradshaw being one of them, Mel Blunt, Flynn Swan. I mean, he had a lot of guys come through because, you know, that group was very special and Joe was a big, big part of that group. So anyway, got to meet a lot of those guys and sit down with them, had dinner with Joe and Franco. And uh, it, during that dinner with Franco, you know, I, I told him, I said, Franco, he said, hey, nice to meet you, coach. I said, you know what, actually, we've, we've already met once. I'm not sure you remember it. I'm not sure I remember a lot of it, but I remember it, uh, a little bit of it when it happened. Uh, TCU, we went up to, we went up to play them. Uh, you know, it was in 1971. We were a decent team. We finished third that year in the Southwest Conference. We were undefeated at home, uh, 4-0-1. We tied Oklahoma State. It was back before you had, you know, you could, you could have a tie. You, you know, you had no overtime rules. But we got beat by Texas, Arkansas, and University of Washington, which were all, you know, top 10 teams at the time, and Penn State. I think we went up there in late October to play Penn State uh, at the time. We were 2-2-1, two, two and one, a decent team. We go up there to play Penn State. Uh, I believe it was their homecoming, too. So, anyway, we're up there at State College, and, you know, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves because, I mean, we've got a good team. And, you know, we, we ended up, as I said, really good in the Southwest Conference. So we go to play Penn State. We had a guy on our team named Freddie Pouncey, and the Pouncey family was out of Dallas, and they were a, a, a group of, of uh, guys that had several uh, Pouncey brothers that were really, really big track stars in the state of Texas. Well, Freddie was also a football player. He's a shorter guy, receiver, but he's a great kick returner. Opening kickoff, Freddie takes it back about 82 yards for a touchdown up there in, 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 in uh, State College, and we're all fired up, feeling good about it. Well, you know, they come back and they score. We kick off and they score. And then, I mean, the game starts uh, progressing. And about 66 to 14 later, you know, Penn State <laughs> celebrating homecoming. But after our, after our uh, second touchdown, you know, I'm a, I'm, 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 I'm a starter, but I'm also on special teams. And so we kick off and I'm going down the field on the kickoff. And, you know, I mean, everything's good. Well, they line up, they line up, you know, and I think they've already scored about 30 on it. I'm playing safety back there at the time. And all of a sudden they run a weak side lead out of an I formation to the open side. And, you know, they crush everybody we have on the defensive front and at, at the linebacker spot. And all of a sudden, now here's the team, John Huffnagel. Remember that name? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's the quarterback. Bob Parsons was the tight end. Uh, so, I mean, they had a team, they, they finished 11 and one that year. Uh, so, you know, they were a really, really good football team, ended up beating Texas in the cotton bowl that year, but that's not my story. Uh, 
My story is that thing opens up and there's nothing but green grass, stripes, and two guys coming straight at me with a full head of steam. Uh, Franco Harris was not the tailback. He was the fullback in an I formation. The tailback was Lydell Mitchell. Both of those guys had, you know, clearly careers in the National Football League. Franco, a Hall of Fame. Anyway, he's the fullback. So it's me, Franco, with Lydell behind him with 53 and a third yards and about 40 yards to the goal line. So I thought, you know, what the hell? And so I go up to take Franco on. And the last thing I remember is when I went head to head with Franco Harris, the next thing I remember is I'm on the bench. I'm on the bench over there. They've got the smelling salts out on me. And that's the last I remember of that football game until we got back to Fort Worth, Texas. I told Franco that, and he said, you know, I vaguely remember that. He said, but we were running over so many of you guys, I'm not sure I remember exactly which one you were. <laughs> Coach Matt, can you imagine, uh, and I'm sure you were a big heavy hitter also as a safety for the Horn Frogs uh, back in the day, but doing that so many times where you just decleat someone and run them over that Franco Harris couldn't even rem- remember running you over because he's probably done that so many times in his career. I'm willing to bet, though, you could probably well, count I mean, yours on, on one look, hand. Yeah, well, look, let me just tell you something, Chad. I, I knew – I probably knew the outcome when I started screaming down there to try to, try to hit him because that, nobody else was around, okay? And so I knew – I mean, so, you know, I just did like Braveheart and went right straight into him as hard as I could. He and I, he and I, he and I laughed about it a lot. In fact, that team that they had at, at Penn State, they were 11-1 and one that year. You know who beat them that year? University of Tennessee at Knoxville. I remember uh, I've read about that game and listened to a podcast about that game. Wasn't around to see it, but yeah, you're right. I, I remember that was a big win uh, for Tennessee over Joe Paterno, uh, one of the all-time great storytellers. Uh, Coach Dave McGinnis on with us right now, sharing that college story about Franco Harris. But Coach Mack, when I think about Franco Harris – I think it's synonymous with the city of Pittsburgh and that Steelers organization. And there's there's fewer and fewer guys like that, right? That you just it, – it's it's almost collegiate, the attachment. And I say collegiate now. What does that even matter with Transfer Portal when you can leave whenever you want? But there's a certain connection with team, with city. You guys had that with the Bears when you were a coach there. Uh, Franco Harris and the Steelers, it just – it means a lot. I felt like to both sides. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, Chad. And that's back before free agency and the salary cap. You know, you bring up that group. I mean, you know, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Rooney, you know, Mr. Rooney Sr., the chief, you know, he said, you know, and, and you got to remember the, the Steelers were not very good to begin with. They were really a bad, they were one in 13. They were a bad franchise. Joe Green, when he was drafted there out of North Texas, he didn't want to go. Franco didn't want to go either because they were so bad. But, Mr. Rooney has said before, you know, the thing, and, and Joe Green will tell you this too. He said, we really got good. Cause I've asked him many a times, when did you really feel like it was starting? Because they had some decent drafts. He said, we really got good when we drafted Franco Harris. And Mr. Rooney said that he said, the, th- all the, th- the thing I remember about Franco Harris was we lost a lot of games before he got here. And after he got here, we won a lot of games. And so, I mean, yes, and he's synonymous. You know, the statue they have now, you know, making the catch of the Immaculate Reception in the airport that is there, that's a big deal. Plus, he stayed there in Pittsburgh. He was an iconic figure in the community in Pittsburgh. But as I said, Joe Green being on my staff, Chad, for eight years, those guys are very, very close on those teams. 
just like the, that, that group of the Bears I was with for 10 years, they're very close because you, you grew up together. You knew everybody, you knew everybody's family because you, you grew up together and because nobody left. And then when you put a group together like that, and of course you win, they win won four Super Bowls. So, I mean, there's a bond there that will never be broken, but it's completely different nowadays, Chad, and you're right. Collegiately, it used to kind of be the same with identification. Now with NIL and transfer portal, it's basically free agency now in the collegiate game. But those guys will always, always be. I mean, Franco was starting the terrible towel. Franco's Italian Army. You know, I mean, the whole thing is is synonymous with the history and the legend, really, of what the Steelers were. Coach Mack, Dave McGinnis with us on Outkick 360. Mack, do you put the immaculate reception atop your list if you're listing top plays? And where were you? What did you think the first time you saw it, if you remember? Well, I remember. I mean, I remember watching it, you know, on television, black and white. Uh, yeah, I remember it. The, the thing that – and would I put it as one of the top plays? Absolutely I would because of this. It was, it was the first playoff win that they had had. Now, they got beat the next week. But that, that started them, and Joe Green has said this. He said that play and that game gave us the impetus and the confidence that we could do it. So that led to, you know, four Super Bowls in, in five years, four Super Bowl wins in five years. And so absolutely, I mean, it's a huge play. And the other thing was, I mean, it was a vicious, vicious hit, you know, uh, uh, by Jack Tatum on Frenchie Fuqua. Vicious hit. You know, of course, that, that ball rebounded like it came off of the bumper of a Ford truck. I mean, it <laughs> rebounded. But Franco Harris, think about what he had to do, the, the mindset and also just the, the spatial awareness to follow the play. And when you, see the, when you see the catch, and I know everybody's seen it, it's iconic, and they capture it great with the statue there at their airport. I mean, that is a shoe-top catch. Not only a shoe-top catch, but then he has to outrun people down the sideline you know, for a touchdown. It, I, I think it's one of the most iconic plays in NFL history. And coach, what makes it maybe even more iconic is if they had instant replay, then it probably wouldn't have stood. Uh, and that you had things like that that could happen back in the day, right? With the rule of if it touches the offensive player first, uh, it can't be caught by someone else. But that's what makes it go down in lore even more. I'm sure if you know you're John Madden on the other sideline, you're you're if if Coach Mack is coaching the Raiders in that game, you're probably raising hell after that. But it still stands as one of the greatest plays of all time. Chad, you know what it's like? It's like forever the people in Buffalo will hate the Tennessee Titans for the Music City Miracle. I mean, that's what it's like. Mac Frogs, TCU in the college football playoff. What has this year been like for you? What's, a, what's the, the mood like in, in Fort Worth all season long leading up to this? And what do you make about the matchup with, uh, with Michigan? Well, first of all, it's been, it's, it's been wonderful. I mean, my phone battery has been drained this football season with frog calls. I mean, it's been absolutely, it's been absolutely great. They sent a group here to do a documentary on me in the preseason. That I mean, I've I've been in, in close contact the whole time. You know, Sonny Dykes, the head coach, his dad Spike Dykes, legendary West Texas coach, both in high school then at Texas Tech. Uh, I, I knew Spike very, very well. And and to me, what Sonny has done since coming over from SMU, I mean, it's been absolutely fabulous. I mean, it's just I mean, just think about – well, guys, think about what it was like for Tennessee this year. What was the mood with Tennessee this year all of a sudden with what Josh Heifel and that group did? It was, it's, very, it's exactly what's going on in Fort Worth right now, except they were, they were fortunate enough to be able to be a part of the 14 playoffs. So it's uh, – it, the, the enthusiasm and just 
the excitement, and really just, I mean, just out of their minds is, is over the top. You know, I, I, it was weird watching Gary Patterson on the sideline in that Texas TCU game with the Texas burnt orange on. And I know that he has posted things publicly about his support of TCU in this playoff run and even in the Big 12 championship game. Um, could you see him being a head coach again in college football at some point, Coach? Or do you think he's kind of resigned to the uh, consultant assistant role at this point in his career? You know, Gary's got a lot of other things going on. I mean, Gary Patterson and I are, are, are connected too. You know, Coach Max got stories with everybody. But, uh, you know, I was coaching in the league, uh, you know, when Dennis Francione went, left and went to Alabama from there. And they called me about that head job, you know, when I was coaching in the league and, and was very close to it. I mean, Gil Brandt was the headhunter for the job. And it's a really Where were you story, at the time when, when that opening was happening? I was, in, in, I was in Arizona. Okay. I, I was in Arizona. I was in Arizona. I was, a, I was defensive coordinator in Arizona. And, you know, of course, I'm a Frog alumni and had been very successful, had success with the Bears and, you know, and uh, I was at the at the top of their list, you know. And they called, and we had a big, a big uh, conference call. I mean, it was uh, it was legitimate, serious. But after, you know, when it got down to it, and I, and you know, they offered the money they offered was just outstanding. But you know, I knew that I was I'd already interviewed once for a head job in the league at that time with the New Orleans Saints. Had not gotten it. It had been myself, Jim uh, Jim Hazlitt, John Fox, and Gary Kubiak had interviewed for the Saints job. Well, that's when Hazlitt got it. So I knew I was on a fast track, you know, to be a head coach in the league. And I'd spent, I'd been in the league, you know, for, for about for 15, 14 years. I, I wanted, I wanted to stay in the national football league. And I told him that I said, look, you know how much I love the school. I, I appreciate this, that, whoever you hire I'm for. Then they told me, well, we've got a, we've got a young guy here that's on the staff, not a coordinator, great, great recruiter. You know, we think he might be. So anyway, that's when Gary got it. Gary and I have talked about that before. And so to me, it's, you know, what he did, what Gary Patterson did, and that was the time the Southwest Conference broke up. TCU was left out of that. TCU was left out of the Southwest Conference. And so, you know, they made a decision there at TCU. All the money people and the foundation said, wherever we go, they went to the, the Mountain West at the time, we're going to be the best. And, and Gary Patterson is the one that resurrected TCU football from the Southwest Conference, you know, when it, when it disbanded. So Gary Patterson has a statue there, very well-deserved. Uh, and let me just say this too. And I know, you know, Gary comes to Nashville quite a bit. He's a songwriter, singer, songwriter, country songs. Uh, he, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this, but when his 20 plus years at TCU made some money, Chad, and I mean some real Texas money. Oh, yeah. So it's not like he's hurting to do anything. Coach Mack, uh, as Mack likes to say, two things he's got a lot of. Hair and money. Well, we need to get, uh, speaking of that hair and money, we, we need to get Gary Patterson and his money out to one of these uh, Mac Hut Corporation <laughs> oh, dinners no at doubt. some point. No doubt. I'd love to hear some stories from Gary Patterson. Mac. Dave McGinnis with us, uh, a TCU, proud TCU alum, longtime NFL coach, Titans radio analyst on game days now. And in that chair this year, Mac, you've seen the NFL's top teams, including Philadelphia, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincy. Is Philly the best team you've seen in person just or just watching the game this year? Yeah, I think on both sides of the ball. You know, because they've got they, – I mean, they've got they're, – they're healthy and they've got dudes on both sides of the ball. Now, it depends on if the quarterback's healthy or not. But to me, you know, just on both sides of the ball, uh, as far as from top to bottom with the roster, I, I think I think athletically they're the best that I've seen. Is that – is it is Hurts the – 
he's certainly stirring the drink, but the addition of what they've done this offseason, this past offseason, Mac, and the fact that their defense can flat out get after it, uh, it seems like they've got the perfect mix going on. They do. They have the perfect mix going on, and and you know, and they've done they've done some things to get it going, but they still need that quarterback. Uh, that quarterback's special, and he's special for this reason. He can run, but he's a strong runner. You know, his lower body strength is really incredible, and he's developed so much more touch, so much more accuracy as a quarterback. Now he's a true uh, double threat. You know, with it back there, and plus, you know, the offense that they run, he's perfectly suited to it. And as you said, the defense that they put together is a great complementary piece to what they do offensively because what they separate the score pretty quick on people and then the defense can go to work. Coach Mack has been our guest, Dave McGinnis. Um, so it's Thursday. You've only got, what, two days left, roughly 24 hours to go study up on the new Titans roster, practically every every new name on that depth chart this week. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, huge, it's a huge challenge. I've had challenges in my 31-year coaching career. Uh, I, you know, we had it here couple of years here with fish when we had to, you know, purge because of the salary cap and injuries, you know, you know, a couple of years. I mean, it, it's hard, especially when you've got guys now at this point in the season hut that are coming in on Monday or Tuesday, and you're not only getting them ready to play special teams, which normally that would be the case. If you bring someone in that late, they got to start, they got to start and play 30 and 40 snaps. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's been a, it's been a pretty hard pull on everybody. I just know it from a coaching aspect of it the strain that it puts on you. Then you start, you lose all your significant dudes. And I, I talk about significant dudes, you know, guys that, uh, you know, when you, when you had everybody together, you had a pretty stout team, but it started, you know, it, it started early with, with Harold Landry uh, tearing his ACL, you know, the last day of training camp in a non-contact practice. And then now it, it goes to, it goes to, you know, losing your quarterback who's been fighting coming back from things and, You've got some of the really good players like Jeffrey Simmons that are playing not completely healthy. Uh, I thought last last week, you know, what they did, they with what they had out there playing, they put everything they had into it against the Chargers out there at SoFi, but ended up getting out athleted, you know, on a combat catch, four seconds to go. So that's that's you know that's the lot in life that you have right now. You know, as an NFL coach, I can tell you this: having lived it for 31 years, there's two things you really hate deep down in your soul. As a, as, a, as a football coach, especially a head coach. You hate losing, and you hate losing your players. And both of those have direct correlation to one another. Mac, it was great to have you on the show today. We appreciate it. And uh, I, it was a story I'd never heard with you and Franco Harris yeah, in terrific college. Terrific story. So, yeah, thank you for sharing and it here. And Merry Christmas. Guys, always a pleasure being on with you guys. You're the best. Merry Christmas to both of you guys. See you. Yeah, there's thanks, Coach. Merry Christmas, Mac. Uh, Dave McGinnis, the best. There are just a handful of people I've come across, Jed, uh, and it's a gift. You meet someone for the first time, and you spend five minutes with them, and they can make you feel like you have known them for five years. He's one of those people, and I, there's only a handful of those, I feel like, that are walking around on any it's, given day with us. It's a superpower. They're, you're right. There are very few people with that superpower, and I remember the f f first couple times meeting him and thinking, I mean, I watch this guy on TV on Sundays, the head coach yeah. of the NFL, and he's treating me, you know, some 20-something at the time <laughs> like I played for him or coached on his staff, just like we're best of friends, long time. It, it's incredible. It's a good lesson when you meet Coach Mack in how to treat people. 
Yes. And how it's easy to just treat people with respect, treat them well. He's better at it than almost anyone I've ever met. And he's a terrific storyteller, so we appreciate him coming on the show. Well said. To share that Frank yes. O'Hara story. Yes. Coming up, um, Chad mentioned you've seen Mac coaching on the sidelines watching that game. Are we going to watch the games that the NFL is putting on? And there is a player that the fans voted number one overall that the NFL currently doesn't have in the in the games. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our thanks to Dr. David Chow and Coach Mac Dave McGinnis for joining us. Coming up, we've... Got the uh, playoff discussion across the NFL. We will hit some headlines and also jump into our NFL overreaction where we'll tell you who's out. It's getting very difficult now as we get with three games left, teams to eliminate from our playoff consideration. And we have one big thing on every NFL game for week 16 headed your way in about 30 minutes. I fear I made a knee-jerk reaction this week on the elimination ah. to where uh, Davey approached well, us about it, and I just I just thought about the worst thing I saw all weekend and just blurted out that team. I didn't look at the okay. numbers, didn't look at the standings, anything else. So I'll explain what I mean by it, but I don't know that I'm that confident in it now. So Tua Tagovailoa, the number one player most voted on by NFL fans in the vote for the NFL games – which is like flag football now, and they're doing some other things around it uh, to make it more suitable for a television audience than the game was, which game is putting it, you know, that's probably me being nice. In fact, the I know exhibition. it is. The exhibition. It was already two-hand touch. It was a football exhibition. Yes. and But not real football. So I do, right. So I do think they'll improve it by doing what they're doing. Um no Christian McCaffrey or Tua on these rosters. That is surprising to me based on the way he... It's not like Tua had the number one uh, of, among all players' votes for one big week. I mean, every week they were trying to update this, and I, was, I just kept looking down going, Tua continues to win this? So, how? Like, and the fan vote, it's not like the Dolphins... Armando I and I talked about this. The Dolphins don't have the biggest fan base in the league, but nowhere near it. Uh, he's not the best quarterback in the league. Is this uh, like a Twitter bot situation where someone hacked maybe the algorithm a, to give him all the votes? I mean, how does this happen? Because most of the time you can understand, oh, it's the biggest market or it's the biggest name. NBA All-Star voting, for instance. Yes. It's pretty much always LeBron James because everyone knows LeBron James, and even if he's having a down year, he's going to get the fan vote or, or someone of the biggest name. But Tua of the Dolphins, it's odd to me. We also have um, coaching in this, the Mannings. Peyton against Eli, and Ray Lewis is the defensive coordinator for Peyton. See, I, that stuff I, I like yeah. when it's classic oh, the, players. Yeah. yeah. 
going head to head. But I mean, it's funny because for years we said you got to do away with the game and let's do some sort of skills competition mm-hmm. and let's mix and match all this. And then the moment <laughs> that you start to move in that direction, I'm thinking, yeah, I don't want to see that either. I just don't know that I want to see anything to do with a Pro Bowl weekend, regardless yeah. of what they do. That it's what's crazy though is like at a regular season I will, game. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of background noise for me on on that day on February fifth or whatever. But it's also like um, because football's on, I'm watching it just like everyone else. I mean, the ratings for this are I just, crazy I, compared to what I, I, the I product is. And I know that I'm. Div- I know the ratings are good. I know people watch. I just I never watch. But it, it doesn't offend me either. It's not something that I'm, it's, I'm not bothered to my soul because the NFL plays an all-star game, but I just don't care. I'm not going to yeah. watch it. I don't even really watch the highlights. I'm just never going to be interested in it. If you're going to do something, then to me, it's just, let's just, I know for safety reasons and schedule, you don't, but I'd just rather see regular season NFL football again. Let's just add oh, an right. 18th game. Also, by the way, let's not uh, stop. Tua's snub, Christian McCaffrey's snub. I, let me also say, they're going to play if they want to play. There will be opt-outs. Yeah. There are injured players. There are players that have either just been eliminated uh, from the playoffs that may not want to do it. Vegas, I think, certainly helps. The location helps here. Um, and then there will be a couple of players that are in the Super Bowl that won't be participating in this at all. Uh, one, I mean, one year, I believe the rosters went through a, a, over 100 different players by the time they actually compiled their, their rosters for kickoff. So, so if Tua wants in, he'll play. Quick, uh, quick side note here. So remember the report from John Bryce about Jason Witten yes. taking over for Trent Dilfer at yes. Lipscomb Academy? Yes. I was making sure that I wasn't crazy when we saw that originally uh, because it was out there a while back. Well, now John Bryce is updating, okay. saying that I'm told despite multiple attempts to convince him to accept the position and in-person visits from both sides, Jason Witten is expected to remain at his current position atop a private Dallas area program. Wow. So so they did everything possible. So who's next? Dan Orlovsky? I mean, I, I, I mean, go I, down I the list you, of I, NFL heard, guys. I had been told that they, the first call was Tim Tebow. Go back to him. Um, and for those that you know didn't hear us last week, Lipscomb Academy, I, that's where Trent Dilfer was the head coach. He's now the head coach By the of way, UAB. they finished 13th nationally. This Lipscomb did. What they're trying to form without saying it is IMG Academy South. In the hot city of Nashville. Yeah. Um, It makes sense. Who's next? Draw a name out of the hat. They'll call him. Maybe Jeff Saturday. Hey. He could be available. It's not working out in Indy. Why not? NFL headlines next on Outkick 360.